at that moment in time, I knew that it was God was speaking to me. There was no doubt in my mind that that idea in my head came from God. And I'm super grateful that I get to know him. It's like joy, comfort, peace. Like I'm going to be productive. I'm going to be doing things with my life and like making people proud. Shining miracles are people who are experiencing God's love and grace and becoming aware of his presence. Lift me up in your branches. We can watch the sunrise. Just a couple of bruised up souls that believe that it was worth one more try. to the Shining Miracles podcast. The journey continues with another episode about God influencing our lives. I'm your host, John Abato, and with me here today is my wife and interview tracker, Linda Abato. Our guest today is Damian Miller, who is also part of this journey of blessings. Welcome, Damian. Hey, good morning. So I'm going to continue to start these episodes with a quote. Today's comes directly from the Bible and is one of my favorite Bible quotes because I think it clearly states what we're supposed to be doing uh, with our lives in general and with our blessings. And it gives us direction when we've been fortunate enough to get an opportunity to pursue a ministry like this. So Jesus says in Acts 1, 7 and 8, It is not for you to know the times and dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So Jesus is not asking a question here. He's declaring you will be my witnesses. So hopefully that is what we're going to do on this podcast journey. Um, and we might as well get started. So Damien, there is a huge contrast between who you once were and who you are now. So can you start by telling us a little bit about who you were um, so we can sort of explain why a change needed to come about? Yeah, sure, John. Um, well, I grew up in Baltimore, Maryland, you know, on the west side. Um, grew up in a single parent family home. Um, my mom, she was a retail worker so you know it was it was a, and she worked a lot she worked a lot i have a um older sister and um she has two kids actually and um you know it was the thing where though my mom was always gone my sister she she was you know doing her thing as a teenager and i was pretty much left you know to you know not fend for myself but grew up a lot by myself, you know, uh, I grew up, you know, I can't say that I had a hard childhood. I can't say that I had a, a good childhood. What I can say is I had everything that I needed. You know, my mother, she was a great provider. She loved her children dearly. And, um, it was just a thing where as though, uh, sports and streets meant more to me than you know doing the right thing i'm gonna put it to you that way right so you know uh, i grew up playing playing sports you know basketball lacrosse 
and uh, I excelled in both of those actually. Um, and it was the thing where as though like my, you know, uh, so my sister had a son, which is my nephew. And he had, his father was like prevalent in his life. Let me say it to you that way. He was, he was very prevalent. Right? Uh, he was there all the time, you know, he would come and get him and, and it made me as a, you know, seeing that as a child and you not having that, it made, it, it made me feel uh, like, you know, why doesn't my father want me? You know? And so, you know, I, I would, I would seek um, now that I know as, as I grew and matured now that I uh, understand that I would seek what I was not getting from my father and from guys that was, you know, around the neighborhood. And some of them was not so canny, as you would say, you know, they were uh, drug dealers, uh, pretty much guys that, that was out in the street, you know, and, and it was a thing where though, uh, I would, I would just, you know, want to hang around them. I would just want to hang around them. So, <clears throat> With that being said, it was it, it, uh, the sports and you know my my school and and everything that I was supposed to be doing as a child fell to the wayside because I was so enamored by the fast life, you right. know uh, the cars, the you know the the clothes, the the jewelry and things of that nature, and so you know uh, I want I want to say. Uh, when I was like 16, that's when it, you know, it really started you know, falling off the track. You know, I, 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 I went, how, how they say that, that, you know, that when you come to that fork in the road in life, right. I went to the left instead of going straight down to the, in the right path. And, um, I, I started selling drugs when I was right. Uh, 16. Right. That wasn't my first encounter with drugs, but that was, you know, that was that was it that was it that was that's what started the whole process of me not living right and not living how I was I was supposed to be at that time right, right. uh I, I can go back to my first encounter with drugs I was 11 years old um I, I vividly remember I was at my aunt's house and an older cousin of mine he was smoking marijuana so, you know, he was like, man, come on and try this, you know, and I did it. And it wasn't it wasn't that I so much liked it. It was more of his. Uh, his uh, appreciation of how I reacted to it. Right. That made me that made me want to do it again. Right. And and, and because it, he was he he applauded how calm I was and 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 it, and it made me feel good to have someone you know uh of a male figure that that I looked up to to you know you know award me with his uh just words it wasn't even it was just words right mm -hmm. and so you know like like I said at 16 it like it, it really fell off the uh wayside for me because I started selling drugs and everything else went you know I, I wasn't going to school anymore like I was like I was supposed to even though I had uh, scouts and 
scholarship offers from schools for basketball and lacrosse. Like, you know, it, all that was unimportant to me because I wanted what everybody else had. You know, I didn't want to have to wait so long for, for my mom to work even harder to buy me uh, tennis shoes or clothes or things of that nature, right? And I, I called myself so-called helping my mom, right? right. All right, so, um, you know, I, 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 would, I would be around these older guys and then I, I can remember seeing my uncle at the time, he, you know, he was using drugs. So, and I, I can remember him um, one day, I, I came down the basement and he was um, sniffing, he was sniffing a white substance. How old were you then? I was, I was 15 at the time. Okay. I was 15. Uh, and, and so like, you know, I, I, I seen him do it and it, it changed my perspective of him because he was the one that like, taught me how to play basketball. He was, you know, he, he was, he was, he was one of the ones that was there and as a male figure for me. Right. And he was one, one of the guys that I looked up to and it, and it, and it kind of changed my perspective of him because I was like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm like, my uncle isn't a junkie. You, you, understand, you right, understand what I'm right, saying? Right. Yeah. It, but it, it hit, that was the first time that I saw that it hit close to home. Right. Mm -hmm. uh and so you know uh, uh fast forward that that previous that um not the previous but the former year the latter uh, the next year and that's when i was selling drugs and so my uncle this this same uncle he uh he got shot right and um he died in my arms right uh some guys came into uh my grandmother's house about a bike a bike that was stolen and sold to him, but uh, they thought that he stole it. And so these guys, they came into my grandmother's house. Um, they shot my uncle and he was, you know, he pretty much, he, he took his last breath in my arms, right? And um, that right there was, you know, that was it for me, you know? Uh, and so I, I, uh, excuse me for a second. Like I, I'm, I'm the, the memories of that right there. Just like you know, it it really just yeah. choked me up a little bit. Yeah. Uh, but I I can um so to celebrate his his memory. I I thought I would you know sniff some dope. <laughs> that's a heck of a celebration. That's a heck of that's a heck of a, a, a celebration right there, right? Right. And I did it, and, and it wasn't so much, I didn't even like it the first time that I did it, but, you know, um, it was it, it, I, it was a thing where as though uh, I missed him so much, and I just wanted the pain to go away, you know? And, and it definitely did that. It took my pain away, right? So, uh, I did that. I was doing it periodically. I would do it once in a while, you know, but if, if, if anyone else out there has ever, ever been a drug addict, you know, it like, uh, heroin will never allow you to keep it a secret. Right. <laughs> so, uh, at, at, at 16 and 17 years old, I had a dope habit. 
I had a drug habit, right? And like I, I had I had stopped going to school. I had stopped uh, coming in. Uh, my mom was worried about me. My uh, my sister was worried about me, and it just progressed. It just progressed, and it just progressed until the until it, it was just like I I, I had a, a full blown drug habit um, at seventeen years old. Um, I wasn't staying with my mom. I'm out on the streets, and at the time, um, I, I had burnt so many bridges as far as with with the drug dealers. I couldn't get no more drugs from no one. Uh, so I just, I just, I just, uh, I, I, I found myself going, you know, doing anything to get it. You know, uh, I started breaking into houses. I started uh, robbing. I was stealing, um, and it, it just, it just got worse over the years. So at at eighteen, when uh, now I'm considered adult in in the judicial's eyes. Um, mm. I got locked up for a burglary, and 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 I had been locked up before for some petty stuff, but mommy was able to come get me. But at 18, mommy can't come get you now, you know. Mm. So I, you know, I it, it was a thing where I would get a slap on the wrist. They would send me home. I'll come home and do the same thing, do the same thing, and I get locked up again. And it that 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 went on for about two years, right? Until finally my 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 habit progressed and my uh criminal activity progressed. And I got uh at, at the age of 20, I got um locked up for an armed robbery. Mm -hmm. All right. And so I got locked up for an armed robbery, and I was eventually I was sentenced to 27 years in prison right and with with that 27 with me being sentenced to 27 years I, I, I served uh, approximately 20 years of my life 20? right 20 straight years okay at, at, at the age of 20 and I came home at 40. So you can imagine the uh, impact that had on my mental state, my family life, uh, my emotional state. You know, I I, I went in into uh, a place where is nothing but uh, killers, robbers, thieves, rapists. Any, anything that that is inhumane that you can think about was was in was in those behind those walls, right? And and at twenty years old, that was a that was a lot for me to uh, to take on, right? But but it was either I was either going to live or I was going to allow that place to you know kill me. Mm -hmm. And and I'm not just talking about physically. Right. So you know. Um, I would like to say that 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 taught me the lesson of what I should not do, but I went in there and 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 it, and I became part of the environment, as you as you could say, I, I became part of the environment. I was still using drugs. I was still robbing. I was still stealing. I was uh, fighting a lot. Uh, 
it was a lot of stabbing and I I, I got stabbed. It, it was it's it's just it's it's just wild, man. It's just wild. And 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 I think about it now that I am so I am beyond blessed to even be sitting here talking to you and 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 Linda and being able to uh share my story now. Because a lot of people that I know had uh, been through the same thing that they didn't survive it. Right. They didn't survive it. They either died, they either killed themselves, or they're not the same mentally where though you would consider them a normal person. You you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Can you and, can you just tell me while you were there, you know, I'm not saying, you know, after you changed, but when you went in there and that that major part of what you were doing there, what was your primary emotion? My initial emotion when I when I first stepped in was fear. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because I I, I walked into this place and, and it was just uh I don't know if you ever seen the movie Penitentiary, but it was just tear upon tear upon tear right. upon tear of men just you know and they was and and i'm like it, it was just loud and oh man it was it was very obnoxious and i'm like wow what did i get myself into mm-hmm. so uh, i i went from fear to acceptance because i knew i was going to be there for a while mm-hmm. um from acceptance i went to uh just plain savagery, savagery. Is that anger? It was a lot of anger. Mm. It was a lot of anger, and I, I was I was angry at everything, but the the but but everything and everyone, but the person I was supposed to be angry at, and that was myself. Right. Gotcha. You, of course. You because uh, you know it, it was it was it was the judge's fault that I was there. It wasn't my fault. It it wasn't my fault. It wasn't the fact that I that I uh, that I went into someone's house and robbed him. Mm-hmm. You know that that wasn't my fault. Right. You know it, it, it was the judge's fault that I was in prison. You you, you understand what I'm saying? You got but, a raw deal. Yeah, yeah, I got a raw deal. You know what I mean? But with that anger came a lot of problems. I caused a lot of problems for myself, unnecessary problems, unnecessary fights, unnecessary, you know, uh, uh, infractions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, and 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 it went on. It was it was repetitive, year after year after year after year. Uh, I, I was I was involved in gangs. I was involved in drugs. I was involved in everything that was not uh seen as as you know uh, a thing that a normal person would do like as, as i say you you know you understand what i'm saying yeah and it, and it was, anything it was, healthy about your environment at all so you were it healthy. was nothing it was nothing healthy and <laughs> and the the that right there kept me uh stuck in a, a state of depression for many 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 years mm. without even without me even knowing that i was depressed right darkness was normal maybe 
if if, if that, that was the norm for me. Right. To wake up every day to bars clanking, uh loud noise, you know, um people screaming and and you know, it 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 was it just it became very normal to me, right? Mm-hmm. And and I lived that for a better part of I want to say uh 16 years of my life of, wow. of me being incarcerated. Wow. I lived that way. Wow. You know, and 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 not that I, I changed automatically, but what but what brought about a bit of a change of was um my mom came up to see me. She came to visit me and, and um I didn't have any business due to my drug use. Okay. I had I had I had a uh, uh, gave him a positive urine for some heroin and in in prison if you do that they take your visits away. All right. Mm-hmm. So my mom came to see me un, unbeknownst, unbeknownst to me and she couldn't come she couldn't see me because I didn't have any visits. Right. So two days later she had a stroke. You know. Oh. And it, you know, it like it, it, that right there. It, you know, it, it it started my wheel of change. I'm not going to say that I changed automatically. It started my wheel of change, though, right? right? Because I I promised her that I would never get high again. That I would never lose my visits because of me being selfish and getting high, right? Right. So, uh, and 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 I, and I I did keep that promise that time. Right. <laughs> right. Hey, can we take a <laughs> can we take a quick break right here? Because I think the story is going to change it. Too many days in the darkness. Hey, this is your Shining Miracles host, John Abato. If you're listening to my podcast, you probably know what it means to be living in darkness and despair, or you know someone who does. So please take a moment and go to shiningmiracles.com and subscribe to catch future episodes. And please share the link or the website with as many people as you can. You never know who's living in quiet desperation and needs help finding their way back. You could be their link to a new life. Thanks so much for listening. Enjoy the rest of the episode. Spend this time in your head. Welcome back. Uh, So during the break, Linda asked Damien about his experience with his uncle. Uh, Damien, can you share some of that again, please? Yeah, I, I, you know, it's it's a thing where uh, every September that he, because he died on September 11th. He died on 9-11, actually. Wow. 9-11-1991. And uh, every every 9/11, I I I I feel for the people that lost their lives in the towers, but I'm also right. grieving. I'm right. also grieving for him too. You know what I'm saying? Oh, absolutely! Right, right. Wow, mm. I I can't imagine. I've had That's... people die in my arms, but they haven't been a relative or a friend or anything like that. You know, but mm-hmm. I can't imagine that 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 was. Okay, so you've been there for like 16 years. Um, your mom couldn't visit you that time. 
And is you're, you're saying that's when your heart started to change? That's yeah, that's that because like uh my one of my biggest fears was while I was in prison, because my, my mother at the time my mother had me, she was 36 years old, right? So she was 36 years older than me. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, like one of my biggest fears was me being in prison and my mother dying. Right. Right. So, you, you know, like I, I tried, I tried, you know, to, to straighten up, you know, I, I, I enrolled in um, school for writing because I write poetry. Mm -hmm. And I, I found that out. I found that out. The, uh, the poetry part is because my my grandmother passed while I was in there, and I wanted to do something for my grandmother. You know, you know, to 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 show her that I loved her. So I I said, oh, let me write a poem, and I wrote a poem, and that was my first poem ever, and it just progressed from there. Okay. And I, I got so I got so good at it that. Uh, all the guys in prison used to get me, used to pay me to write poems for their girlfriends. <laughs> <laughs> you found a creative, you found a creative side to yourself. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I never listen. I never before before prison. I've never even tried to uh, write a poem, and uh, it it just came out that way. Like and and so I I was I was taking classes for creative writing. Uh, and I was doing like, you know, little positive stuff. I, I, I got onto the, uh, the panel. It was a panel in prison for, for, um, they used to bring youth offenders into the prisons mm -hmm. and, and I would, I was one of the panel members and I used to try to talk to them to try to guide them to, you know, so they wouldn't end up like us. Um, and, and, you know, things, it, it's, it's, start, I was starting to feel good about myself. Right. And. So finally, uh, that was finally in year 2000 and I want to say 13. Yes. The year 2013, I went up for parole and they gave it to me. They gave me a, a immediate per, uh, release for, uh, from prison contingent upon me completing a drug program behind the wall, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, that was the end of 2013. So 2000, the beginning of 2014, I started the program, right? And I was due to come to be released in, in February of 2015. Cause I didn't start the program until uh, I want to say June, something like that. Okay. June of 2014. And I was due to be released that. So, you know, uh, I'm doing the program. I'm doing everything that I'm supposed to do and everything, you know, and you know, you have to, you have to submit a, a urinalysis, a random urinalysis whenever they come for, for the program. So I, when I, I, I'm doing, I, I submitted the urinalysis and, and, this is this is this is what I'm saying, like how things happen, you know, how things happen, and whether you understand it or not, you just you have to under you have you have to realize and recognize how to deal with it, right? Mm -hmm. uh, 
I, I submitted the urinalysis and when I went to go sign the paper for it, it was somebody else's name on the paper, on, on, on the paper that I was supposed to sign, right? Right. So I, 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 my first, I had an instant rebuttal, like, you know, no, I'm not signing that. That's not my name, you know? And the guard was, you know, he was like, man, Lord, it was a mistake. I was like, I got you. Don't worry about it. Right. Uh-huh. And I signed it. I signed it. Oh man. A week later, they come and they come and tell me to pack up that, that I, I was going on lockup. Right. So I, I'm like, for what? Like, you know, uh, I haven't done anything. So I went on lockup, come to find out I had a dirty, they gave me a dirty yarn. Wow. Right? Because of the paper that I signed you was signed someone else's else. paper and they, they tested positive for Suboxone, right? right. Now, um, that, that little huh? voice in your head said, don't sign that paper because it's not your, but you did always it. Go with, always go with your gut. Always yeah. go with your gut. <laughs> So, yeah. you know, I signed the paper and they came, locked me up. They, 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 so, but the thing about it was, uh, I, I remember when the, when the guard said, uh, I got you. So I put him down as a witness. Now, you know, it's, it's very, it's very unlikely for anyone to be uh, a dirty yarn. And, and you, you know, if you, right. if, if, if they say it's dirty, then it's dirty. Right. So, but I, I prayed about it. I prayed about it. And when I went up for the ticket, uh, um, the guy came in there. He told me that the guard came in there and told him, told the truth, you know? And so uh, I, I, I beat the ticket, but, but the, 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 so they have, they have, it's, when you go up for a ticket in prison, it's just like you're going to court. They have a prosecutor mm-hmm. and, and, you know, for the state and all that, right? So the 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 lady that was was representing the state, she was so mad that I beat the dirty yarn because she was so sure that I was going to you know be found guilty that she didn't let me back into the program. She put she she put me on administrative segregation, and I got kicked out of the program. Right? Mm. Yeah. And so now here's another delay of me coming home. Right. Right. Um. I'm in year 19. I'm in wow. year 19, right? Uh, so, you know, they, they, they had me on administrative seg and they sent me out of the jail and sent me to another jail where I had to, I had to really fight and, and, and you know, really, like, really get to the grind with it to find, to get, to get put back into the program so I could be released. So, because even though that I, I got kicked out of the program, I didn't do it. It wasn't my doing. Right. You understand what I'm saying? So I, I, I still had my parole status, right? And um, I, so I, I finally found, uh, I, find, I finally got put in, accepted to a program, went in the program and um, started the program in February of 2000. Uh, oh no, I'm sorry. I started a program in April of 2015, and w- was due to be released in October of 2015. And um, I did everything that I was supposed to do, man. And here it is. Uh, so August of 2015. Um, I'm getting short. I'm getting closer. 
and um, it was August the 25th to be exact. Um, I, I just came back in from the yard and I, you know, I was working out and uh, I just came back in from the yard and, and the guard, they, they called me over the microphone and, and told me to come down front. And I came down to the front of the um, tier and he was like, um, well, you need, you need to call home, right? Oh boy. And so, you know, like the trepidation that came over me was, was uh, because I, I felt it. Like I felt something was really wrong, right? And so, you know, I called home and, and, and my mom passed. My mom passed. August the 25th, 2015. And I was due to be home August the 13th. I mean, October the 13th of 2015. So, you know, right there, you know, I, I, my, what, what I told you, what I shared with you in the beginning about my biggest fear of my mother dying while I was in there came true. Yeah. And it was, uh, it sounded like when you said it, it sounded like strike two. Your, fa your father figure being your uncle in the beginning, and now your mother's passing toward yeah. the end of your savage days. Mm -hmm. <laughs> if, you, if you don't mind my phrasing. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, your days in hell are coming to a close. Yeah. And, I, you know, I, I always see these pictures that God paints in people's lives and they have markers, huge markers. And mm -hmm. so far in your story, I'm hearing two big ones, one in the beginning and one toward the end, which is probably kind of the middle mm -hmm. emotionally and spiritually. Um, mm -hmm. And they're both marked by death. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, uh, that was forever life-changing for me because like you know my mom was everything like she was everything you know I don't care where I was uh she was there I don't care what I did she was there you know the typical mom you know she mm -hmm. just love you know she she my mother was a big enabler now that I, now that I think about it she was a big enabler but it wasn't no fault of her own she just loved her kids. You understand what I'm saying? Of course. And yeah. uh, 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 that was one thing that did come become that that came good out of prison, out of me going to prison. The because I was away from her enabling for so long that I had a sense of self sufficiency when I did come home, right? Yeah. And um, so like her passing, uh, it really, it really like it, you know, it really messed me up mentally. Uh, I was a wreck emotionally, you know, because I'm like my, you know, my my rock is gone now. Like, you know, what 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 am I gonna do now? Like, you know, what am I gonna do now? Um, so fast forward, I, I I didn't get, I didn't do anything that I thought I was gonna do. Like, I thought I was gonna zap out, and you know, I didn't do none of that. I prayed, uh, you know, I, I asked God, you know, to to help me, and you know, to get through it. And so I, I, I came home October the 13th of 2015 after 20 years, right? And it was like, you know, oh man, it, 
I, I was in, I was, I was lost a bit because everything had changed. Everything had changed. Everyone had changed. It was, you know, so I, I was, I was like a new, I, it was, it was just, everything was just new to me. So, mm -hmm. and, and I came home and I went to my mom's house. That's, that's the, the, the place that I was going to live at. And I, I went in her room and everything was still the same how she had it. And I just sat in her chair and I cried, you know, I cried. And it and it was a thing where as though I came home with all these plans of I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, I'm going to do such and such. And none of them was able to come into fruition right away, right? So, you know, uh this I I was I was big on microwave um life back then, if you know what I mean. Yes. I was big on microwave life. I wanted everything instantly. I wanted everything instantly. I didn't want to, I didn't, I didn't know how, I didn't gonna say I didn't want to put in the work. I didn't know how to put the work into to get the things that I, that was needed. I didn't know, I didn't have I didn't know how to practice patience, even though I had been locked up for 20 years. I didn't know how to practice patience. You you would think that someone that was been locked up for 20 hey. years would know would be the epitome of right. patience, right? Right. But I didn't know how to practice patience. And so, like, you know, I came home. Now, now my sister, she's in active addiction. Mm. Right? How, old, how old is she? Uh, she's 19 years older than me. So she okay. right now she is uh, 66. She'll be 66 this year. OK. But when I came home at the time, because I, I, I've been home uh, now, I've been home for, uh, it'll be seven years this year. Mm -hmm. uh, by the way, I've never done anything seven years in my life, <laughs> in my adult life, good, straight. Like, okay. I've never done anything good. Um, but she she was she's in active addiction. She has, a, she has her, her then uh, boyfriend living in my mom's house and they just, they're getting high. Now, my, my mother owned her house. So it's, it's, it's taxes due. Um, this is what I'm coming home to. It's taxes due. Uh, the, the water bill is high. Like, you know, all this is, 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 has, 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 has just been thrown upon me when I come home, right? And I'm thinking like, how can I do it? How can I get it done? How can I um, save my mom's house? How can I save my family? How can I, and, and, and I'm never, never, never not once do I sit down and think about, hey, look, you have to get you together first. Right. Right. Never once did that cross my mind because I've always been a, a, a people pleaser and, and uh, an acceptance seeker. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I figure that if 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 I save everybody, everybody you know would you know they they would like Damien. They would like Damien, right? right? Right. I understand that for sure. Yeah. Um. So you know, uh, I I I I say, how can I get it done? Because I'm applying for jobs, and it's it's just not they're not coming the way that I want them to come. You understand? Sure. And uh, no such so, thing as delayed gratification. Right. Right. So I say uh, I I get the bright idea is uh, I oh I'll sell some I'll sell some drugs this time. I'll sell some drugs. 
Now, now, mind you, John, I, I'm I'm telling you, like I've never been a good drug dealer. Right. Never. Right. I've always been a better user than I was than <laughs> I was a dealer, right? Uh -huh. And so, you know, I, I, I got some I got some drugs to sell and I, I sold that one and I went and got some more and and it, and it was just something about like uh, when you're bagging up the drugs to, to when you're packaging them up, I had a little bit left that wouldn't have made that, that wouldn't have made uh, a whole pill or whatever, or whatever I was selling. Right. And I said, oh, I might as well just go ahead and sniff that. And I sniffed it and it opened up the, it, it just reawakened that whole dragon that I had put to sleep for so many years. That I, mind you, that I say I had put to sleep because yes. I had never, I ne that's all I did was practice abstinence from drugs. I never, I was not, I never changed mentally for me to even think about not going back to the drugs. You, you understand what I'm saying? And so uh, I, I, I uh, sniffed those drugs and it awakened that dragon and I was back off to the races again, man. Um, uh, I, I was I was sniffing dope, you know, and, and it progressed. I started uh, using cocaine. Um, Start robbing people started, again. Started robbing people again, um, okay. stealing, you know, uh, and, and I... I I, I I used to try to justify the robbery with I'm not going to rob John or Linda because they they worked hard for them. The drug dealers they um, was they was fair game. You understand? So I used to try to justify much more dangerous. Much more dangerous. You hear me? Much more dangerous. Mm -hmm. So I, I, that was my justification, right? And um. I used to go and and I was I was still I was still I would go in department stores and steal, and it was just a mess, man. It was a mess. It what really was. House? Huh? What happened to the house? I'm getting there. I'm getting there. <laughs> you got a feeling. So I'm enjoying your story, Damien. This is I'm I'm into it. I really am. You're telling it really well. Yeah. So like uh. uh now I, I was supposed to have been doing all this to save the house, to save my family, right? Mm -hmm. But once I got re-trapped into the uh, the drug addiction, it it was like this: the house was uh, it wasn't even a thought. It wasn't right. even a thought, man. Right. It wasn't even a. It, I, I didn't even like you know. It, it, and and I, I regret it now because my mom. I, I, I watched my mother work so hard to you know buy her house you know, you understand what i'm saying right and and when she died she left it to me and my sister and we both was in you know trapped in drug addiction and and, and once you and once you're locked into a, a any kind of addiction it's hard to get out of it if you don't put no work into it if you don't <laughs> surrender to it and, and 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 i wasn't about surrendering at all you know mm -hmm. I didn't even know what surrender was. Come, come to think about it, right. and you know, so I, I was, I was using, I was robbing, I was stealing uh, the same, the same thing I was doing before, and I had a good friend of mine, like uh, he, this, he was, what you can consider my best friend, right, and he was getting high with me, right, and one time, like you know, we were sitting there getting high, and. 
we was we was getting high with this this female and she uh was she had an episode off the track and she just stood up and took all her clothes off and 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 really defecated in the middle of the floor. Wow. And and he looked at me and I looked at him and I said he said to me he said man it got to be something better than this, right? right. Yeah. He said it got to be something better than this, and and that was started. That's that started my 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 ball rolling, for and and here's to to get clean, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so you know, uh, I'm not gonna say that it, it happened right away, but but maybe like a month later, we decided to go into treatment together, right? Mm-hmm. And we went into treatment together, and we was there for 28 days, and I wanted to leave. Because I was so sick, like you know, and and one of the guys, one of the peers that worked there, well, he, he's my good friend now. Um, he said something that really stuck stuck to me. He said, uh, "You never gotta feel like that again." Right. He said, "If you get through this, you you never have to feel like that again." Right. And I man, that I don't know why that resounded with me so much, but I took that and I, it, it stayed with me, and I I went through the whole. Um, sickness of me withdrawing and um I got I got better and I and and at that point like at that point because I, I honestly I can honestly say that I, I I didn't go in there with the intent to to stop using drugs forever. I went in there I, I, my intent was just to stop the pain just a little bit, you know, and get myself together. Just a dry out moment, you know? Right. Right. But but uh, I went. Uh, I, I went in there, and when he said that, it like it stuck with me. He said, "I never have to feel like that again." And I could just read. I just, I just sat there and I listened to that, and it, and and, it, and I just played back all the times that I used to wake up sick in the morning, uh, not having no money, having to do anything that that, that was uh, criminally, just to just to get just to start feeling normal. Right. right. And 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 so, like, you know, I said, man, uh, that it was at that point that I surrendered. Like I, I, I surrendered. I asked God, I said, please, like, you know, just get me through this. And I and I, 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 I you know, that, you know, the usual prayer. Just get me right. through this. And I promise Fox you <laughs> the Fox uh, prayer. Yeah. Yeah. Just get me out of here. Man. And but but thank God that. uh I was able to surrender because like, you know, I did that 28 days in front, in front of 28 days. I, I was listening to uh, the NA speakers that would come in and they were saying, do 90 meetings in 90 days and get a sponsor and get a home group and, uh, you know, and, and connect with people. And, 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 and when I got out, I went straight to a beating. I didn't go to my mom because uh, at, at the time before we lost the house, my, uh, we still had we uh, when I got up, when I first got out of treatment the the house was in um what they call that what they call it? it was in foreclosure okay okay it, it was in foreclosure and 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 they was bidding on the house and all that right so uh, when when I came out I didn't go there I went straight to a meeting and they said do ninety meetings in ninety days I know I did uh, oh man I I know I did every did about three hundred and something meetings. Right. Because I would go, I would go there when the meeting started and I wouldn't leave. 
Mm -hmm. I wouldn't leave, John. Like right. I was scared. I was scared to leave that comfort zone. Right. Right. Because I didn't trust myself at that at, at, at that juncture in my life. Right. I didn't trust that I would be able to do, just go and because because I didn't know what else to do. Yeah. You didn't, didn't have the skills go. to cope. Didn't, you didn't yeah, have the yeah. skills to cope. It, it, yeah, it's a exactly. common it's a right. common thread. And I'll tell you a couple of things real quick here. Um, it's a common thread for when people suddenly take it seriously. I know for me, they said 90 meetings in 90 days. Well, I didn't have a car or a driver's license. Yeah. Um, so I walked for two years. I walked to two meetings a day. Mm -hmm. um, and it didn't matter how far away it was. I walked. Mm -hmm. Not that. I shouldn't say always because there were a lot of times where, where guys in the program would pick me up you mm -hmm. know, and, and, uh, and take me. But when I had to, I walked and I made two meetings a day for, cause I really wanted to be, um, to be sober. Not, I didn't, it wasn't about being clean. It was about being mm -hmm. a better person. I hated who I was. Right. And it was absolutely detrimental to me that I changed who I was. Anyway, right. another thing that is a common thread in a lot of stories, and it is in mine too, was the realization, the awakening, and the understanding that you, if you did something differently, you would never have to feel that way again. Mm -hmm. um, for me, and I don't know if I've ever told you this part of my story before, but um, I was in a treatment center, and I spent about the first three weeks uh, non-communicative. I, I wouldn't mm -hmm. speak to anyone because I was so depressed and so ashamed of myself. And they actually kicked me out of my case management group um, because I didn't, when they asked me how I felt, I didn't know how to answer them. I, I didn't have a mm -hmm. word for feelings. And they said, don't come back until you, um, until you can name one feeling. So um, anyway, eventually somebody walked up to me, saw, saw me sitting in a corner, you know, basically. And he said, and, you know, this is a guy I'll never forget. He said, um, you, you need to pray. And I said, yeah, I'm not doing that. That's ridiculous. And then he goes, no, you, you, you want to you feel better. You need to pray. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, how do I do that? He said, well, you get on your hands and knees and talk to God whatever way you can. And I basically said, well, I'm not doing that because somebody will see me and it'll be really embarrassing, you know, because only idiots do that kind of stuff. So he said, you ever heard of a door? Go behind the door and close it where nobody can see what you're doing. So mm -hmm. I went to my room and I closed the door of the room. And then I went into the bathroom that was in the room and closed that door too. When I felt safe that where nobody could see me, I got on my knees and I prayed. And I just, you know, the foxhole prayer, God, if, you, mm -hmm. if you're there, I don't know that you are, but if you're there, this would be a real good time to help me because I really don't think I can make it anymore. One way or another, I'm not making it out of this mess. I just feel too bad, and I'd rather die than continue. And I finished my prayer, and I got in bed, and I fell asleep and slept for a couple hours for the first time in weeks because I'd been coming off everything you can imagine, and there was no sleep for me. But I fell asleep, and a very comfortable sleep. And a couple hours later, I guess, I woke up, and the door, I heard the door squeak and it cracked open a little bit and a beautiful green light filled the room. Mm -hmm. And I knew mm -hmm. who it was. I knew who was there, 
And he said to me, you never have to feel this way again. Mm. You don't ever have to drink again or do drugs and you never have to feel this way again. Mm. And I was, I was like eyes wide open, heart open, you know, and I said, what do you mean? And he's, and he said, you don't ever have to feel this bad again, but I need you to do one thing. And I knew it was God. And I said, tell me God, I knew more than that. It was God. I knew it was Jesus. Mm. And I said, what do you want? And he said, you have to follow me. Seek me and you never have to feel this way again. And the next mm. morning, um, I woke up and we went to one of our little treatment groups and I was feeling horrible. And then as I, I'm sitting there in the group and people started filing in, I remembered what he had said. And as soon as I remembered that I didn't have to feel that way again, I felt mm -hmm. fine. I felt mm -hmm. peace come over me like never before. And my journey continued. Mm -hmm. um, anyway, so I, I hear a lot when the change happens and, and people are about to become that person that will do anything to get sober. Um, a lot of times it's because they came to the realization that they never had to feel that way again, that God was real. And because God was real, they never had to feel that way again. Mm -hmm. So a pretty significant Absolutely. moment in your journey. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, and, and I, I can honestly say, so like, since I've, you know, since that, in, since, since that enlightenment, enlightenment, I've, I have been blessed abundantly, you know, um, I didn't, I, 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 the, the lady that I, uh, had my kids by, like, you know, we, we are, oh man, oh man, I've been blessed. Let me put it to you that way. Yeah. <laughs> I had four, I have four beautiful kids. Um, my youngest is, you know, she's the boss lady. <laughs> Yes, I know blue. And, <laughs> and and you know, I you know, I, I wouldn't trade this in for nothing in the world. Like, you know, I, I I I and and what my motivation is like uh, uh, apart apart from me wanting to be a better person for myself and for my family and things uh, what my motivation is is I want I know my mother she sees me I know she sees me and even though uh, like you know I used to have regrets of uh, or, or feelings of I felt like I cheated my mother out of enjoying her son um um I I do know now that she sees me now and I and I, I and I pray like you know every day to try to make her you know make her smile on me you know yeah. and that I, I I find I find peace in that. Mm -hmm. I find peace in, with with my death in in that part. You understand right. what I'm saying? Yep. Yeah. I just I just I so you know I just want to I wake up every day and I just want to be better than I was yesterday. You know, and it and it doesn't it has nothing to do with any monetary any physical any it has nothing to do with it. I'm talking about my I just want to be a better man than I was yesterday. That that is what it's what it's all about, Linda. What did you did you have something? Yeah, um, I just uh, I I would Damien. I would like to hear how you got from that time when the guy said you don't have to live this way anymore to where you are now. Yeah, I didn't mean to interrupt okay. you there. There, there's definitely all right. That's all right. And then you said, um, your after your mom died, you asked God to help you. 
and mm -hmm. a little bit more about that too. Well, uh, after I asked my mom, well, after my mom died, and I asked God to help me. Um, it was a thing where, as though I was living, I was living right, but I, I took my will back. Mm -hmm. You, you understand? Like, like, I didn't have a license, and I wanted to drive. Right. You understand? I wanted to drive my life. You, you understand? Instead of right. instead of being uh, being guided by His will, I, I I wanted to I wanted to do my own thing. So that's where that's where the hiccup came at. That's where that's where the the, the problems came back into it because I'm quite sure he was like, well, well, if you if you know how to drive so much, you don't need me, and, and he let me he let me drive, and I went straight <laughs> straight <laughs> off the road into the dead day on tree, you, you know. Right. Uh, so so you know it it wasn't until I was able to surrender to that and realize that it has to be his will, not mine. That I was uh, that I was able to live life on life terms, right? Yeah. Well said. Well said. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. yeah. Wow. Okay. Um. You know, I guess before you know, before we wrap things up, you know, I, I if you could wrap up your convert sort of conversion experience in you know in a in a few a few words and make it a conversion episode how would you describe that oh. man oh. that's a hard one I, yeah it, it is john but but what i can say what i can say like and and you know I, I speak this a lot, right? Mm -hmm. I speak this a lot to 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 the clients that I work with, and to just people that are, if it's life is all about surrendering to God's will, right? Mm -hmm. And living a path of not not self righteousness but righteousness, right? Yes, and and. and 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 just being just being a total human in his in in his complete form, right? Mm -hmm. And that and that and that goes with uh being relationships. Like you you have to be good to people. You have to give back to people. You have to be like just just a total human because uh, you, John, you even said it like uh, human in its total form is relationships. Right. You understand right. what I'm saying? Like yeah, I, 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 I need other people to make me better. You understand are, what I'm saying? We're we're most human when we're involved in a relationship in some way, shape, or form with other people. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Right. That's so true. my 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 conversion my conversion was was simply become uh, simply simply me being willing to be and, and open minded to to uh, another way of life, right mm -hmm. and me not me not wanting to feel that pain that I encountered all those years. Right. I don't I don't want to I, I don't want to feel that pain again. Like you know, well, I gotta say, like, you you are all those things. You know, I right. I've spent way enough time to know, spent enough time with you to know that you're all about 
positive relationships with other people and influencing them into understanding um, what good life is about. You live a good life and you pass that on to others. I see it all the time. In you. Um, Thank you. And that's, you know, that's, that's where our connection is for sure. So I, when we met, we connected immediately. It was Absolutely. like, it was like instantaneous. It was incredible. Right. Um, because we're brothers, you know, it's just the way it is. Um, the last time, in the last episode, we talked for a few minutes about Paul's word for the power of the Holy Spirit, which was dunamis. Mm -hmm. um, you know, he, he, he tried to pack, and, and I don't want to go too much into it because we did in the last episode, but he tried to pack all these words, super abundant power into one word so he could describe the feeling that he had when the Holy Spirit was within him. And he, I don't know if he invented it or the Greek word was already there, but he started using the word dunamis throughout the Bible, you know, throughout his writings. And I failed to mention when I was talking about that in the last episode, that that word dunamis, that Greek word, um, is the original root word for the word dynamite. Mm -hmm. which, you know, I mean, it's the, the power of the Holy Spirit is just so explosive, but we can, we can receive that power and then give it right back. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. and, that, and that happens. And, and if we're seeking that power, that's what keeps us on the straight and narrow. If we're seeking mm -hmm. that feeling that God gave us when we first felt that peace, you know, and that mm -hmm. understanding that we needed him in our lives to keep rolling, to keep rolling mm -hmm. in a righteous way. Mm -hmm. um, so unfortunately, um, we have to end the conversation somewhere. But Indeed. yeah, it's been a great conversation. Um, and I and appreciate you guys for having me. Yeah, no, we, we appreciate mm -hmm. you being here. And, you know, uh, thank you very much. And and this is definitely not the last of you in these episodes, I hope. Absolutely. Um, you know, and you're welcome to be a part of every episode you want to be part of. Um, and thank you, Linda, also for keeping track of it. I appreciate hearing your story, Damien. I really do. Thank you, Linda. Thank, thank you. you. I appreciate it. Thank you. And let's, uh, let, let's move on and enjoy his presence. The Shining Miracles podcast is a production of Angel Valley Studio. It's produced by myself, John Abato, and Brenton Finn, recorded and edited by me. Our theme song is Born Again by Michael Shines. Share your story with us by emailing miracle at shiningmiracles.com. If you're interested in production or studio services, contact Angel Valley Studio by emailing angelvalley at comcast.net.